Hello everybody. I hope you're having a great day. Now before we get into today's episode, I have a little favor I need to ask of you. Now this favor is probably only going to take about a minute of your time, so I would appreciate it if you could do this for me. I put a lot of time into these podcasts and it's something I'm very passionate about, so I appreciate any bit of support that I can get. So, today's favor is, could you scroll down and under this podcast, go to ratings and reviews, and give me a five-star rating, and leave me a sweet little review, something I'm going to read, you know, that'll show your support to the podcast. If you're getting any value out of the podcast, or any value out of me, just let me know. You know, you can share the podcast with your friends, post it on your social media, whatever. Any bit of support helps me grow the podcast, and I will appreciate it so, so much. Anyways, guys, on to this week's episode. Welcome, welcome back to the Sky's the Limit podcast, a podcast based around showing you that anything you set your mind to is possible. I'm your host, Lucas Aylward. Alright guys, on today's episode, I have a very, a very special guest, someone very close to me, and by close to me, I mean he's my first cousin. He's making the L word name proud. This guy is based out of Toronto. He's a full-time professional drummer, and by professional drummer, I mean this dude's been touring the world. He's traveled with artists such as Delaney Jane, Virginia to Vegas, Chris Wu, Always Never, Ollie, and Kayla Diamond. He's a bachelor's degree in music with eight years experience playing drums. He has taught music to beginners and intermediate students. Super talented guy, my cousin, Jacob Aylward. How's it going, man? Long time no see. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. appreciate it's it. My pleasure, man. Nice to catch up with you. Absolutely. All right, man. Before we even get started into the big questions, I just want to talk about your childhood. Not for mm-hmm. me, but for the listeners. So mm-hmm. let's get started back with uh, how did you become a professional drummer? So where did it all start for you? Well, basically, um, I I moved around a bunch when I was young because of my dad's job. So, you know, we would bounce from city to city. And through moving, um, I ended up meeting a couple friends uh, in Barrie, Ontario, who got me into this uh, a video game called Rock Band. Uh, this was back in high school. And basically, you know, I went over to his place. We, we played it a couple times, and, and he wanted to play guitar. And... There were no other instruments left, so he's like, "Oh, why don't you just try the drums?" And I was like, "Okay, sure." I, you know, I've never, never played drums in my life or anything like that, so I just, I decided to just jump on and give it a shot. And uh, I pretty much fell in love with it right away. I mean, it was, you know, for what it was worth, it was a video game, but you know, I could still kind of get the, the physical, you know, the physical motion of playing drums. So um, I ended up saving up. I bought the game for myself, um, and I played it. I played it pretty much every day for for a while, and I'd go into practice mode and slow the songs down, and you know learn all the fills and, and whatever. And then eventually, I would just take take what I would do from the game and move it over to the drum kit that I had at school at the time. It was it was a piece of junk, but you know I made it work. And so I you know I practiced some of my favorite songs on that, and eventually you know I, t- I told my mom I said I think I want to take drum lessons. I think I can do this. And she was like, you sure? I was like, I think so, yeah. So, you know, we, we looked into getting some drum lessons, and I ended up saving up um, for a real drum kit for my house uh, by doing a paper route. And I got that and, you know, practiced again for a 
couple years before, you know, I started really taking things seriously. And then at that time we had moved back to Halifax. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I was like, I think, you know, I think I can, I think I want to apply to, you know, a college or, you know, so get some sort of education in music and, and take this seriously. Cause I was so addicted at the time. I, I couldn't get past it. I was watching YouTube videos every day and thinking about getting better and practicing as much as I could. And I was just, I was just trying to soak it all in. And, uh, so, you know, a couple of years had passed and I was finishing up high school and I had applied to a couple schools. I had applied to Berkeley College in Boston. I had applied to uh, St. FX University and I had applied to Humber College in Toronto. And things worked out with Humber. I had, I had a pretty decent scholarship, so I decided to accept it and, and move to Toronto to, to, you know, take my, take my music career, you know, seriously. And uh, I studied there for four years and I, I've been out for two, so I've only lived in Toronto for about six years, but, uh, but yeah, I, I ended up getting a bachelor degree in music, um, with, in, in, uh, specifically in drums, so that was my major, um, you had to pick an instrument before you went in, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that pretty much brings me to where I am now, I mean, I had played a bunch of instruments growing up, like I had played violin and, and trombone in, in elementary school and all that kind of stuff. So I did have a bit of experience with, with music and music notation prior to playing drums, but I had a pretty late start. I didn't, I didn't really start taking drums seriously until high school. And like, you know, like you said in the intro, I, I've only been playing for eight years. So I, I do feel like I'm playing catch up most of the time, but I, I've also felt like I've had a natural kind of inclination to the drums. So that, that's always helped me. But yeah, that, that's pretty much the journey right there. Okay. So you got your degree in music and uh, you were teaching people in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You were teaching drum lessons. So yep. obviously to you, that was a uh, a nice little career. You know, you were playing, paying the bills and you were enjoying it. But obviously you had the dream to make it big. You wanted to live that, that life of touring. You wanted to actually be on stage performing mm -hmm. and living that dream. So what what happened to make you get to that level, to get to the actual the dream that you wanted to live other than just like sticking to the career? of drumming right. well well basically what had happened is i was teaching like you said for about a year after i got out of school and that was kind of you know just a fail safe something to keep me busy and so something to you know help out make a bit of money um and it was steady you know it was good it was a steady job i, I was teaching i don't even know maybe 20 or 25 students a week at you know between different academies so i was working at three different locations but um I was still kind of new to the city. Like I'd only been to school for four years and out for one. So I was, you know, I, I wasn't, again, playing catch up with some of the guys who have been growing up here ever since. So, you know, um, what happened was I, I had a friend of mine call me randomly one night and he said, I just gave your phone number to a guy, a musical director who's coming in from Los Angeles uh, for an award show in August. And that was about, that was about a year ago now because um, I forget the date, but it was, it was in August and, you know, August is coming up again now. So yeah, that was about a year ago, but he, uh, he got in touch with me and this is the, the, the musical director from LA called me right after I got off the phone with my, with my other friend. And mm -hmm. he said, we need a drummer, a local Toronto drummer for an award show. Um, and he gave me all the details and it turned out to be the much music video award show. Ooh, uh, yeah, that, that's where they bring on, you know, they bring on all kinds of, uh, upcoming artists and, and, you know, f you know, uh, uh, chart topping artists like you know Sean Mendez and Megan Trainer and 
and uh you know it's definitely big man it's definitely yeah yeah definitely yeah there were a lot of great artists there that night and uh the gentleman from LA, he gave me the information for the artist that I was, pl- was going to be playing for. He's a K-pop artist uh, by the name of Chris Wu. And he was flying in from China uh, to do this show, and the management team for him were flying in from Los Angeles. So they, ba- they basically wanted to hire a local Toronto drummer because they didn't want to bring Chris all the way out to LA to rehearse with a band and then fly everyone to Toronto and all that stuff. So they eliminated that process by just hiring a local guy, which just so happened to be me. So we talked, and we, you know, we talked about the figures and, and the rehearsal dates and the information that I needed and, and whatnot. And pretty much as soon as I got off the phone with him, I, uh, I pretty much called all the places that I was teaching at at the time and, and quit on the spot because I just had a gut feeling that that this was going to be, you know, kind of a good break for me because it was televised. You know, there were going to be millions of people watching this. There was probably thousands of people actually there uh, in the flesh watching this happen live um, on Queen Street. Um, so I, you know, I had a good feeling about it, and then things, you know, we 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 did the show, and you know, I got I got a lot of momentum off of that one performance. It was it was a five minute performance. It was just basically a medley of three of Chris's biggest hits, and uh, so it was a short short show, but you know, it was great content for my social media, and and I met a lot of great people backstage, and not to mention his team from Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. that was that was one of my well, it was my biggest opportunity to date. So. Um, that's kind of what propelled me into uh, doing this full time professionally and not having to, you know, teach to kind of get by, you know, so that, that, that was really, that was really the big moment for me. And that's a moment that everybody wants to live. I know that's like that dream moment where you can actually, you, you have the opportunity to pick up the phone and call your day job or call whatever you're doing and say, yo, I got my dream opportunity. Come see you later. Mm-hmm. I'm done with this. So mm-hmm. that's that's super awesome. So proud of you, man, for doing that. Well, I appreciate and that, bro. No sweat. And dude, honestly, like that's like I said, that should be like the goal for anybody. No one should just really settle for uh, any kind of position in life. If they have a goal and a big dream that they're going after, then they should just go hit it. That's like what this whole podcast is about: is chasing mm-hmm. your goals and not following, you know, the standards of society. Is trying to do those things that are just super unique that not many people are doing. Mm-hmm. And this is honestly a great story because, like you said, that that part of your story just gets me so hyped up and gets me so motivated. The <laughs> fact that you can pick up the phone and be like, "I'm done, I'm done with yeah. here," and then you're yeah. like, "That next chapter starts right away." Yeah, exactly. So after you met with Chris and you performed there, what was like the next chapter like? As soon as you flipped that page, was the next day you were ready to start again with a new gig, or was it more like? It it happened, then you kind of were like, now, now we're, where is this going to go? Now what? What's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I had no idea what was going to happen, but I did, like I said, I did have a good feeling about it. So, you know, I was able to kind of take, they, they posted the YouTube video right away after, right after we got off stage, it had, it had been posted and I was able to kind of grab that footage uh, the next day and post it just, you know, so people could, whoever missed the show or whoever missed the, um, the broadcast or whatever could catch it. Um, so I posted some of my favorite moments, um, just to, you know, show everybody, show show the world what I've been up to, and and I got some good feedback on it, and, and it it uh, it definitely, I think, put me on the map in the city as someone who, you know, is is ready for these bigger stages and can handle this kind of uh, this kind of responsibility. So that you know, it was almost like um, adding like a big job to your resume. So I could say, hey, this is something I've done. Um, and here's the video so you can watch to see how it was done, um, 
which is you know kind of kind of a good opportunity for you know my future employers to see okay this is you know this is the kind of stuff he's been up to and and uh you know that way they can look at it and and, and figure figure out whether or not they want to hire me or trust me or or get to know me or whatever so I always think of it as, as like a little, it's like a calling card. Like, mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I treat Instagram. It's like, it's like a little calling card where people can go on. I can basically sum up what I've done from day one till right now. And they can kind of get a little bit of a preview into how I, you know, how I carry myself and how I play and, and the things I've done. So I definitely treat it like a resume for sure. And that's kind of what I did with this, this MMVA show um, was just basically putting the next like big thing on my resume to help me get future gigs. So you know, musical directors for the other artists that I've listed, like Delaney Jane and, and uh, Always Never and uh, Kayla Diamond, Virginia DeVegas, like all, all of these gigs basically came f out of having that MMVA gig. And they had seen the footage and, you know, got in touch with me and say, hey, you know, we need drums for this show. Are you available? So, you know, that, that, that opportunity definitely put me on the map for sure. Okay, so I was going to ask, when it comes to gigs, have you ever reached out to somebody and kind of offered your service as like a... I'm a drummer. If you need somebody, you can call me back at here. Or is it more or less like they just shot a message to you and they're like, hey, are you free this date? Is it just kind of something that people inquire in or do you ever kind of throw, throw out your resume, I guess you could say? It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of both, actually. Like there, there have been times where I've kind of put myself out there and, and, and talked to people who are doing these gigs. Like mostly I'm dealing with musical directors. So it's, Typically, it's hard to get in touch with the artists directly because, you know, they're so busy. They've got tons of stuff on their plate. The last thing they need is someone kind of emailing them or, or messaging them on Instagram saying, hey, you know, I'd love to do this gig. They don't really have time for that. So what I usually do is just end up getting to know the musical directors on the gig. So the musical director is basically somebody who oversees the musical process uh, for a specific artist. So the artist will typically hire someone to basically hire the musicians to kind of help arrange the music for live shows, uh, help out with rehearsals and all that kind of stuff. So basically, it's like they're they're almost a second hand to the artist for um, for all the musical decisions. Because sometimes the artists, you know, they don't know how to communicate with the drummer or communicate with the guitar player. Say, hey, maybe you can try this out or this, this, this. So they usually leave it up to the musical director. And those are the the kind of people that I I do my best to get to know around the city because once you're in with with one of those guys or, or girls you know they'll, they'll typically call you up if they need a drummer for a show and that's what's happened with me mostly is like i'll kind of i'll kind of um reach out to the musical directors get to know them maybe develop a working relationship and get on a couple gigs with them smaller things or, or whatever and then once you know a bigger opportunity comes up maybe they need drums for a tour or they need drums for you know like a broad like a like an award show or, or something like that then they'll give me give me a shout so yeah, I definitely have reached out to people in the past, which have, you know, they've turned into great opportunities. And I've also just kind of gotten messages out of the blue saying, hey, we saw you do this. Would you like to be a part of this? You know, and it's it's always a bit of both. It just kind of comes and goes. It's always random. But, you know, everything everything has worked out well. So, you know, I feel very fortunate to be able to uh, continue to, you know, get meet these people and, and, and uh, develop these relationships. So, yeah, definitely a bit of both. All right, man, that's awesome. Um, I wanted to kind of touch on habits because I believe to be successful at anything, you need to have these uh, habits that you follow on a daily basis. Now, obviously, you didn't get to where you are playing the drums by picking up the drums, you know, a couple hours here and then a couple hours there and kind of screwing around with it. You obviously had to get into the zone. So what kind of habits do you uh, stick with 
to stay on top of your um, your drumming, like your professional drumming? Right. Um, things that I've done pretty much since I started, uh, and this is like you know day one when I first picked up the sticks. Uh, things I would do consistently is watch YouTube videos. I would watch YouTube videos every pretty much every night when I was when I was really young and really getting into it. Like you know, I, my my mom and dad would go downstairs to watch TV at like you know. I don't know, eight or eight or nine, and they'd come up for bed at ten or eleven, and they'd be like, "Oh my God, are you still watching YouTube videos?" And I, you know, I had watched through like tons of videos just to just to soak it up because I would I'd always try to learn just from watching people do things like you know people who were so much better than me. I would just watch them and soak soak it up, see what they're doing, see how I can improve, see what, how I can kind of get to that level. So I, I used to watch a lot of videos um, and. I still do that to this day. You know, I, one of my one of my habits, one of my go-to habits, is to watch two YouTube videos that inspire me right before bed. So that way, you know, overnight those things just kind of settle in, and those maybe maybe some one, even just one little tiny piece from one video just kind of sticks with me uh, right right before I go to sleep. That that's kind of my my habit these days, but. You know, I, I definitely make an effort to practice or at least touch the drums once a day, whether that's practicing on a little pad or practicing on a full kit. It's, you know, it's hard to play on a full kit, especially at home or, or in an apartment or whatever, because, you know, it's loud. It's, the loud, it's one of the loudest instruments, so it's not easy to find, find that space. But I definitely try to at least have that, that contact, even just with a little rubber pad, at least once a day for, you know, half hour, an hour. I used to practice, like for hours and hours on end when I was at school because we'd have these modules where you, you, you could just go in with a key mm-hmm. and you'd have the night, you'd have the, the room to yourself for a whole night. And I would practice maybe six, six, eight hours every night if I could when I was like, you know, when I really had that time at school. Now mo- most of my, most of my playing is kind of just done on gigs and rehearsals and stuff like that. And I'll do most of my practicing at home with like a pad. But as far as actual drumming goes, it, it kind of just happens naturally with, with the gigs and rehearsals that I'm doing. But yeah, those are those are definitely my, my two habits: is watching stuff to kind of soak them in, and pick up on what the what the greats are doing, and thing you know how I can improve on on certain certain areas, and then just at least touching touching the sticks for minimum an hour a day. That's definitely my habit. Okay, yeah, that's something I would agree with. I personally love to just keep reading over and over the topics that I'm interested in. I try to read mm-hmm. a book a week, and I watch videos, and I try to at least watch two to three hours of videos a day at minimum so no matter how skilled you are no how no matter how long you've been at something no matter how experienced you are you should always be be willing to learn more and more and more because nobody i don't believe anybody is actually a a a complete expert there's always something that you can learn no matter how long you've been at something yeah so the people who are too prodful to continue to learn are the people that are going to get i guess they're going to they're going to lose their rank they're not going to stay at the top if if they're mm-hmm. almost arrogant in the fact of what they know mm-hmm. you know even the experts people have been at it for 20 25 years are still doing what they can to practice and learn more and and do things to improve yep so uh when it comes to school uh, what was the best thing about school for you was it like the fact that you could go to school and actually be taught new things or was it more or less like making the connections in school like mm-hmm. making friends that are into the same thing as you and kind of meeting teachers and mentors. Well, 
basically, you know, and this this question comes up a lot too, especially in in the music industry. Is like, is school important? Is that something we should consider? Is that something we should pursue? And I, you know, I'm always kind of fifty fifty on it. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about how I approach that that question because, you know, I don't want to discourage people from from going to school, and you know, I, I also wouldn't want to encourage them to go if if it's not something they're going to be into. It's different for everybody, but for me, I think the most important thing about going to school was just the fact that I was surrounded by like-minded people and I was surrounded by a ton of teachers who were great at what they do and, and you know, were doing this professionally for many, many years and could, you know, give us a bit of insight. And just, you know, just the network alone is, is what really made uh, an impact on my life because I know for a fact that if I hadn't gone to school to meet those people, I wouldn't be here right now. But there are people who are doing great things who didn't go to school and some of my friends who are on top gigs who didn't go to school but you know like i said everyone's journey is different so for me you know maybe maybe the one of the specific courses i did at school it doesn't really matter that much for what i'm doing now like you know i, I could get a call or go do a gig and it has nothing to do with you know like second year theory at, at school like it doesn't it doesn't really matter but for me it's definitely the people that i met because there are definitely a select few people at school that changed my life and will probably continue to change my life because we have such a you know such a great working relationship now in the industry so yeah networks that was the big one for me just and that was probably the that, that you know that was the big one <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> excuse me um other than that i would say you know it was a great place to basically just sit down and have tons of free time and tons of resources to practice every day i could play like i said for six to eight hours with nobody nobody would complain about noise because that was a specific room designed for going in and practicing drums. So between between having all that time to practice and, and all that space to learn from my peers and, and, you know, go out and meet people in the city and kind of just be like completely immersed in the Toronto music scene. That, that's really what it was for me. It was like, you know, you pay your tuition, you get in, you do your classes, but it's almost just a one-way ticket into the, the Toronto music scene to meet everybody. So that, that was definitely my, my big takeaway from Networks. Okay, so say we got a, a young individual listening to this podcast, and they're currently playing the drums. Let's say they've only been playing for six months. They're really interested in it. Um, why do you think the best path would be, based on what you just said, do you think they should continue to practice for a few more years and try to meet as many people as they can to get the connections, or do you think they should play for another few years and go right into school? Well, I would say, first and foremost, just continue. I mean, practicing is just key regardless. Whether you go to school or not, you have to practice as much as you can. And you have to be open to learn as much as you can. So that's definitely the big one. Um, I would definitely say go out and meet as many people as you can because you you know, you know might just meet somebody tomorrow night at a, at a jam or at a rehearsal who's going to, like you know, like I said, change your life forever. So you never know when that's going to come up. So meet, just meet as many people as you can. And, and, you know, through that process, you start to learn which type of people you work with the best. Because the last thing you want to do is end up on a tour with people that you don't really gel with. And then, you know, it kind of becomes a miserable experience. So, you know, just being able to hang out and be, you know, a chill person and easygoing and friendly. Like, those are all kind of the, the, the key points for just being in this industry at all, you, you know. They, they say that, like, you know, just being able to hang out is 80% of your reputation. So the other 20% is your actually, you know, actually your ability to play. So I would definitely, definitely say meet as many people as possible and kind of just, you know, just feel it out. See who you work with, see who you don't, like, see what kind of, 
what kind of route you want to take and talk to the people who are doing that going down that route and, and maybe you know avoid people who who might be you know not not your kind of not your kind of person because like I said you don't want to end up in a in a situation where it just kind of sucks because that's not why we do music you know we, we do music for we do it for fun we do it to make people happy we do it to make people dance and and to you know just kind of bring bring that energy to to the audience like the mm-hmm. the, the listeners they want to you know that's why they that's why we have fans we wouldn't be able to do any of this without fans because we would just be playing for nobody so you know uh, meeting people is key 100 percent. okay so uh, it's funny that you say you when you're meeting people so the question i wanted to kind of ask about this is like in the process of when you're learning because i know myself when i started getting really into fitness in the earlier years like say the first three to four years i was mm-hmm. so into the zone i didn't really hang with anybody because i wanted to stick to what i was doing and just pretty much become a master of it i wanted to get in and out of the gym in and out of the gym i didn't have time really to socialize or go and party or just hang out with people i was just in the zone i was just working so when you're in those periods of time where you were drumming from six eight to eight hours a day were you like kind of uh, blowing off friends and saying guys i gotta practice i'm sorry or were you making time for everything or did you also get into zone like i just described for myself um it was again a bit of both like you know when i say six to eight hours that's that's not me playing like for literally six to eight hours straight because that's that's just that's insane it's you know drumming <laughs> is a very physical instrument so you, you you would burn out very quickly so you know i would play for two hours and then maybe go talk to some of the other guys in the in the modules like you know we would all kind of take breaks it's it's you know it's very similar to fitness because you know you do you do like uh, maybe an intense hour take a bit of a break chill out and then get back to it right so i would you know go and talk to these guys who were also taking their breaks and you know that then we would kind of carry on and i would develop those relationships with like-minded people i would definitely i definitely wouldn't make any time for the people who were like come on man let's go out and drink and this 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 i'm like yeah and you know that that's not really that's not really my vibe right now i'm, I'm just gonna go practice for the night and you know develop relationships with people that are here for the same reasons because i you know i didn't go to college to hang out and party and, and whatnot i went there to meet the right people and develop those relationships so that when i left school i was set up for a professional music career that i could do full-time and not have to go and you know get like a, a job at Timmy's to help me get get by you know or, or whatever like, <laughs> yeah I wanted to basically come out and just go just go full-time so I, I made sure I, I spent those four years setting myself up for that that moment when I graduated but yeah I mean I would definitely just hang out with those guys like you know we would, and we you know it was the kind of thing where we'd go in and practice for two hours and then like you know we would just kind of stand in the hall and just just kind of carry on for another two hours it could have you know time flies when you're having fun with 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 people that you know, are, are into the same things that you are. So I would definitely go in and I could spend eight hours in the mods and, and maybe come out with three hours of actual drum progress and maybe, you know, a couple more hours of really developing friendships that, that I still have today. Like, you know, lasting friendships that are, you know, both, both professional and personal. That's amazing, man. I know that like they say your, uh, your vibe is your tribe. The saying goes, yeah, yeah. and that that's true, man. Cause you know, if you're around people, that are into the same things that you are it just brings you up it just makes mm-hmm. you work harder you're motivated you're you're challenging yourself and even maybe you even have some friendly competition going as well yeah, see exactly. who can you know play the longest see who can do you know what i mean like see who oh, can yeah, do the yeah. best job at yeah. the time and it's great especially with like i know myself i relate a lot to the gym but even when you work out with a friend it really pushes you because you're kind of seeing how much they lift how much you lift and you're pushing yourself mm-hmm. to do better than last week and to kind of even lift more than your friend and before you know it, the work is over and you had a great time and 
Exactly. It's like that for anything, even like business stuff now. Like I even try to outread people, even though it sounds a little bit corny, but I, I really yeah. do. It's just even something as simple as like reading a book is not something that you would consider challenging or, or like some crazy task. It's really simple just to sit down and read, but having that challenge too and pu- to push yourself is uh, is great, man, just to have that to uh, to motivate your mindset too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get into the actual like gigs and the actual experience. So like I just want to ask you, where's the funnest place you traveled? Like where's the, like the coolest place you traveled? Basically, so get a little uh, little bit about the tours. Oh jeez, the, the, hmm. Trying to go back through through all the all the opportunities now. I I mean I had a lot of fun in in Los Angeles. That was one of my one of my favorite experiences for sure. Um. I got to meet a lot of great people out there, and, and I've played a couple shows out out in Los Angeles so far. So, you know, again, I've been fortunate enough to go out there a few times, and every time I go out there, I have a blast because there's, you know, every time I I set foot on, uh, in LAX, you know, I've got other I've got new people to 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 hang out with and and new relationships to build. But, again, you know, the people that I met last time, I can go and revisit on the next trip, and you know, continue to to network with them, and you know, maybe this time. Or, you know, maybe last time we, we hung out and I saw him play at, at a jam. Next time he's going to take me out for food and show me around the city. So it's just, you know, it's just developing those friendships. So that that was a fun part about, about L.A. Um, but I also enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed Paris. I went mm. to Paris on a European tour with a, a separate artist. And we got to spend a couple days there. We had two days, I think it was two days off and then we had one show. Or, or no, two days off and two shows. So we were, we spent four days in Paris, and I, I got to spend a lot of time sightseeing. It was you know because not too often you, you get a lot of time to go out and see the cities that you're playing in because it's the kind of situation where you you show up, you play, you fly back. You know it's it's never really hey go check out the city for a couple of days, experience everything you want to experience, and then you know then we've got our two shows and get out of here. So that was a that was a unique opportunity for sure. I got to see everything. I got to see all of Paris. I got to try some food and and meet some people and. And yeah, re- you know, really just enjoy enjoy that uh, enjoy that scene because I had never been to Paris before, um, and it was actually when I was there was actually the same time that the uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral had had burned down, so I saw all of that happen, oh. um, like you know, face to face. I was watching it happen from from up in the hills. We were recording it, taking pictures. It, it was crazy. It was a surreal experience. So that 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 was definitely. Um, a memory that I'll never forget was going to Paris for the first time. This is crazy. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned you were going to go to uh, China too. That would have been yep, definitely yep. a fun one to go to. I was, yeah, I was supposed to be in, in China actually right now. I would have been flying home, uh, if not tomorrow, the next day. I, w- I was supposed to be there for a week. Um, and I was supposed to do three shows out there and then, and then come back. And again, we would have had some time off to go and check it out and, and whatever. I mean, I'm sure the jet lag would have killed me. Yeah, for like sure. Twelve hours, like it would have just been deadly. But, uh, but yeah, they, you know, I'm sure something will come up. I, whenever, whenever situations like that fall through, I try not to. I try not to, you know, get too down about it because I think everything happens for a reason. You know, if it, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out now, it'll work out sometime in the future. Maybe a year, a year from now, or you know, maybe a couple months from now. Who knows? Anything can happen really at this at this point in my life. So, I try not to take it to heart but it would have been great to be in china mm-hmm. uh, i was supposed to go to the states as well and for most of july and that also fell through unfortunately but that's kind of just the way things go like the the logistics in in this line of work can be pretty 
pretty sketchy. They can be hit or miss. It's like, hey, we, you know, we've got this tour lined up. Here are all the dates. Here are the rehearsal dates. You know, we we might even rehearse a couple times, and then the thing will get canceled. So it's just it's just kind of the way it goes. But you know, when when these opportunities actually do work out, and you get to go see the world, it's it's definitely a blessing for sure. So what would you say to somebody who like has the fear of being in front of people? Because I know obviously getting on stage in front of so many people, there's obviously fear uh, oh, involved yeah. in that. So <laughs> say somebody has that dream and they're like, man, I would never be able to do it because I I'm afraid to speak in front of people. I can't perform in front of people. I'd be so scared. I'd have stage fright. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. So give us a little rundown of uh, your first experience and like, did you have anything like that happen to you? Were you very scared? Were you confident? Uh, what did that play out like? Oh, man, I think the first time I had ever performed in front of anybody on drums was in high school. Uh, this was in Barrie uh, when I, like I said, I'd kind of just been getting into drums. And I think a few of my friends had, had gotten it in their head that they wanted to do like this this coffee house performance where, you know, people can kind of come in. It's almost like an open mic where everyone gets up and does one one song and then they get off and the next act comes up. So everyone kind of gets a chance to showcase what they've been working on. And... Uh, me and my friends decided to get up and do, I think it was, it was My Sharona. That was the song we were going to do. And there was an electronic kit provided. So it was a piece of junk. It was like, you know, it was not an at, <laughs> by no means a good first, uh, first uh, live performance experience. But I was so nervous. It was unbelievable. I remember my, my parents were going to come and they were going to record it. And, and, you know, I had friends in the audience and stuff. And I my hands were shaking like uncontrollably before we went on and, and I was just running the song in my head over and over and over because I didn't want to mess it up. And I was like, you know, it was terrifying for sure. Like, and, and we were only playing for maybe 50 people, but it's still, it's still nerve wracking to this, even to this day, sometimes if I don't feel as prepared as I'd like to be, sometimes I get a little nervous. But the thing is, the more you do it, the, the more, you know, the easier it becomes. Like I, I could probably, I would feel comfortable now playing in front of, like you know, a stadium full of twenty thousand people, and I don't think I'd get that nervous. It's not really, it's not really the amount of people watching it. It's more or less like how prepared I feel about the show. So if I if I'm going into something and winging it, I might be a little nervous. But if I feel super prepared and we've done tons of rehearsals, and I, you know, I'm super confident in what we're doing, I could go up and play for a million people. It wouldn't bother me. Okay. Good answer. I think that's uh, definitely really, really relatable because I know myself, uh, whenever I've done any speaking in front of people or any kind of classroom uh, environment teaching for, like I say, a fitness class or anything like that, mm -hmm. I remember when I first started, I was almost scared to do in front of three people. And now oh, yeah. I'd be confident in front of 50 people speaking in front of the on a board and explaining what to do and yep. coaching a bunch of people. And people wonder... How do you? How can you get to that point where you're not scared? And honestly, you just got to do it because there's no way you can like prepare yourself for. It. You can't like read a book or read or watch a video on how to perform in front of 50 people. It's just something yeah. you have to, you know, get practice with and just adjust to it naturally on your own. Yeah, and uh, it's it's crazy because with repetition, you just get better and better and better, and you just feel better as you go. I'm yeah. sure now. If you had to wing it, if you were in a position where you absolutely had to wing it, you'd feel more confident doing that than day one winging it because you're just like, okay, well, I, I just know what I have to do now and I can just wing oh, yeah, this. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so that that's uh, definitely a great thing to, to be able to do is have that confidence to be in front of all those people. So the next thing I just wanted to touch on, <laughs> this is going to probably get you thinking, is imagine the very first day you played rock band, like day one, yeah. back when you first picked up the drum set, if you could almost see, like, 
a vision of where you are now, say on the biggest stage you've performed on, and mm. someone told you this is where you're going to be, do you believe it? What, would, what do you think you'd say? Oh my gosh. I don't think I, I wouldn't believe it for a second. Because I remember playing rock band in my friend's basement, and I was scared. Like, I was scared to play the drums in his basement. How, you know, how ridiculous does that sound? I was just like, he's like, play drums. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I've never played drums before. Like, he's like, come on, come on. It's the only instrument left. I was like, all right, fine, fine. He had to, like, kind of psych me up to play the drums in his basement in front of literally nobody. And it was, it was on a television. It was, like, electronic, right? So that was the first time I literally ever touched drumsticks. Um, and if you had told me then that I'd be doing what I am now, I would have told you you were crazy because I, I, there was no way back then I even had, the, you know, a shred of confidence to play in front of, you know, X amount of people or, or to get up there and kind of just, you know, go for it. Because the thing about drums is that you really have to hit hit hard. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a physical instrument, like I said. You, you've got to really play with confidence, and, and that will show in the way you st- actually strike the drums. So I've had to develop that over years. People always tell me, hit harder, man, hit harder. Like, you know, you gotta, you got to dig in, dig in harder. I'm like, okay, okay, like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll think about it, I'll focus on it. So that took years to develop, even just that confidence to go up there and just absolutely like, you know, dig into the kit. Um, so yeah, I mean, geez, that that would have been a pretty surreal experience if someone had said, "Hey, this is what's going to happen if you keep playing." I would have no idea, but you know, thankfully, I was able to kind of develop that passion early on and just follow it, you know, all the way through. And I, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever stop. You know, it's the kind of thing where right now it's do or die. Like I, I can't picture doing anything else because I feel like this is. This is just what I was supposed to do, and, and it feels it feels right. It's taking time, and you know it's it's all just building blocks. You know, like well, every year I reflect on you know, the gigs I've done. I go, yeah, yeah, they've they've gotten better, and I've you know I feel like a better player. I feel like a better person. I feel like you know the the stuff I'm doing is is bigger, and and you know it's where I want to go. So yeah, it's it's that would have been I wouldn't have believed you not for a second. <laughs> No way. Yeah, I, I'm the same way, man. I, I know a lot of people, like, I, I know family's bad for it. So, you know, some family can be bad for it. It seems like a lot of people have that issue with, like, their parents or, say, like, close, close friends. Have They're always the ones that doubt them. Because they, they just, you're in your comfort zone, and people have these big dreams and these big goals. And the people they care about them the most are almost afraid for them to take their risks. So, I know when I started out, I was, like, 110 pounds with the gym. That was my big goal. That was my big thing that I wanted to do. And I was 110 pounds, and I would show my friends pictures of these guys, and I'm like, man, I wanna, I wanna be fit like that guy someday. And yeah, yeah. They'd say, no, dude, he's way too big. Like, look how ripped he is. He has like a six pack. You don't even have one, and <laughs> you're not gonna be able to get like that. You're just way too skinny. And yeah. people don't really believe it, but then when you look back, I'm like, man, there's no way I would have. For me, like back then, I was so self-conscious. I wouldn't even look at somebody in the eye. I couldn't even do it. I would look down at the ground, or I'd look around, and I could never focus on the person. Mm-hmm. And now that I can teach in front of multiple people and get them laughing and get everybody involved, it's so crazy because that change is so drastic, but you don't notice it as time go like time goes it feels so slow, but it goes so fast at the same time. And yeah, when you look absolutely. back, you're like, Holy shit, look how much has changed. Like yeah. this is a massive change and it just feels like yesterday that that I was there and if I was back on day one, I would never ever think that I'd be where I am right now on yeah, exactly. day whatever I'm on now. So, I was gonna say, what would you like? What kind of tips would you give to someone who's uh, like uh, facing that fear of I don't believe I can do it, like the self doubt? Mm-hmm. I would say 
it just takes you know it just takes time to build up that confidence to just walk out there whether it's on stage or whether it's in front of you know you're doing public speaking or anything like that I'm, I'm a horrible public speaker so i can't even talk about that but when it comes to playing music you know like i could like i said i, I could feel at this point in my life feel comfortable playing for for as many people you know as even just like a stadium or whatever it doesn't really matter because that's my comfort zone for someone who's doing public speaking they might feel comfortable saying whatever in front of hundreds of thousands of people i i could barely even speak to you know 50 so but i could play drums in front of hundreds so you know it's not it's just you know it's always it's different for every person but i would say just keep working on developing that confidence to go out and just crush it because you know deep down that this is what you do this is what you're good at and other people will respect that because maybe they can't play drums or or you know speak on stage or whatever. And, and as soon as they they pick up on that level of confidence, they're automatically going to tune in. They're going to respect it. They're gonna they're gonna want to hear more. But if they hear you know a bit of doubt or a bit of fear in your voice, then you know or or in your playing or whatever, then you know it, it's they'll probably you know it's likely that they they might tune out or or not not give you that time. So just you know it takes it does take time, but just building up confidence and just trust that it will, it will happen because the, you know, the better you get, you start noticing progress, even just from month to month or week to week, you, you notice the progress that you're building and, and you start realizing, yeah, 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 I can do this. Like I had that moment on drums for sure. I'm just like, you know, I can walk on stage, ugh, excuse me, walk out on stage and go, yeah, yeah, I can, I can kill this. Like, I know I can go out and crush this. Like, let's just do it. And then you go out, you feel that confidence and you, you do crush it because that's, you know, how you, that, that was how you carried yourself out there. And then, you know, you feel good about that performance and that gives you another boost. And it just, every opportunity you get that you kill, you keep crushing it, it just boosts and boosts and boosts until, you know, you don't want to be cocky or anything like that, but you want to have a certain level of confidence because, you know, I'm, I'm too wrapped up in what I can't do to worry about what I can do. And I know that sounds kind of weird at first, but it's like, it's, it's just part of me being humble and, and not letting what I can do kind of take over because, you know, I would like to work on my weaknesses and let my strengths speak for themselves. You know, I, I wouldn't want to just focus on here. This is all I can do and, you know, take it. It's like, no, nah, man, like there's certain things that I know I can't do that I want to work on. And I know I am aware of what I'm, what I'm strong at, but I don't want to just focus on that. I want to focus on my weaknesses so that everything can be boosted. So it's like, you know, it's like a scale. It's like you want everything to be even instead of, instead of having like strengths way up top or and, and weaknesses way at the bottom you want to bring everything up to the top so that you're 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 well-rounded enough to be that confident player that you want to be well i know you just said you're not very good you don't think you'd be very good at public speaking but you're very well spoken and you're killing this uh, podcast so i just I wanted to put that, that out there <laughs> uh, i'm gonna actually ask you one more question before i clear sure. this up sure. and that question is you know we're talking about um the goals and bringing up strengths and weaknesses. Do you have, uh, you know, do you do goal setting? Like almost to say, I am more aware of this weakness and I want to have it improved by six months. And this is what I'm going to do to get there by month to month. Or do you not really do any kind of goal setting? Do you just kind of just practice and practice and practice? And the next thing you know, you're, you're where you wanted to be. I definitely, I definitely do uh, a bit of both, but I have done a lot of goal setting for sure. Like, you know, I'll say, okay, and this is, you know, this is very specific to the drums, so hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll try to make it as user-friendly as possible. But, like, you know, saying that my left hand is kind of, like, it's a little weaker than my right hand when it comes to certain strokes, like ghost notes are, you know, very soft and very, very, like, uh, um, um, delicate. Like, you need that finesse to play ghost notes uh, on the snare drum. So it's like, you know, I want to work on making sure that both my hands are the right 
or at the same level of strength so that I can do, you know, I can feel very equal around the drums because the last thing you want to do is, same, you know, same thing with exercising. Like, you don't want to just only lift with your right arm because that's going to cause problems for your, you know, your physique, maybe even your back or anything like that. You, oh, yeah. you want to make sure you're doing, you know, equal amounts on both sides. So same thing with drums. You want to make sure that both uh, limbs, well, all four limbs, both arms and both legs are, are as equal as possible. And, you know, obviously your left, uh, you know, if you're right-handed, your lefts are always going to be just a tiny, tiny bit weaker than, than the rights, but it's okay. Like, that's just part of being human. But, you know, try to work on just building them up. Like, I, you know, that's that's definitely a big part of it. So so goal setting is key for that because you can say, okay, I'm going to work on 15 minutes of this every day and keep track of my progress. Like I, I used to, I used to try to up my speed on drums by tracking, like I would put on a metronome and I would see, okay, where is my, where is my absolute limit for how fast I can play a, a specific exercise? And I would go, okay, so here's my max and maybe just a couple BPM faster is just a little too much. So I'll, I'll dial it back a little bit and find out exactly where I can play it comfortably and clean and not hurt myself and make a mark. Okay. So this week, write it down. This is where, you know, this is where I can cap out and just work on it, work on it and keep pushing that limit. And eventually maybe a week or two or a month from, from then, uh, or from, from that day, you can look at it and go, okay, yeah, now I can, I can definitely go up maybe an extra five, five BPM is, you know, again, same thing with, with lifting. Like you can always make these analogies. Like you, you track your progress, maybe next Next time you can lift five extra pounds or 10 extra pounds. Same thing with, with drumming. You can play five BPM faster, 10 BPM faster and track that progress month by month. Because at the end of the day, like you're your own competition. You know, I, I don't mm -hmm. like to compare myself to others as hard as it is, you know, as much as you look at other people and go, oh man, I wish I could do that. Or I wish I was this kind of person or I wish I could be like him or, or her or whatever. Like, you know, you, you have your, you do have your, uh, your idols, but at the end of the day, you got to, you got to compete with yourself first and foremost because you can look back at your progress and go, yeah, I've, I've come a long way for sure. You know, you want to be a better a better player than you were yesterday. You want to be a better person than you were yesterday. So just, yeah, developing those habits is, is definitely key. So goal setting is, I, I definitely I definitely vouch for it 100%. Okay, man. Oh, my God, that was great. Honestly, dude, I could just listen to you probably chat about this all day. I just love <laughs> ch chatting with people who are killing the man like I'm right. I'm honestly kind of mind blown with everything you've done, and oh, I appreciate that, bro. I believe, Thank you so much. I believe our number one fan on this episode will be Nan. So I'd just like to put that out there. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah shout dude. out to Grandma. <laughs> shout out to Grandma. Yeah, she will have to show her how to listen to it, anyways. I'm sure she'll figure it out. But. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, man, I wanted to thank you so much. I'm gonna wrap it up now. We've almost been on the go for an hour here now. We'll oh, close to wow. 50 minutes. And That's honestly, nice. it's been great. I, time's flown. It, it's it's great to be able to catch up with you and kind of keep up with what you've been doing. Um, and you know, like at the end of the episode, you know, if you have anywhere we can go to check out your, uh, you know, your videos, your music, anywhere like that. I know your Instagram is. Let's see, what is your Instagram? Let's plug it. What What do we got for your Instagram? Is it Instagram J is uh, is JT Drums. So most of most of my social media, um, I go under JT. JT Aylward is kind of my my. You know, it's more more or less like a stage name. It's kind of just how I present myself um, for, to future employers and and fans to see. You know, it, it seems like an easier easier name to remember it's it's quick it's simple just gt that's kind of how i how i present myself these days so um i'm, I'm on instagram at jt.drums i'm on facebook uh just on, as jt Aylward. uh youtube as jt Aylward. um 
I think that's it. I feel like I should probably get on Twitter, but I've never I've never made the jump, so I'll have to do that soon. But Instagram is my big one. That's kind of where I put all my energy into. My my time and energy goes into Instagram because that to me is it's just the best. It's the best social media app in my opinion. Just for you can cover all your bases. Yeah. So that's definitely my main one. If you're in if you're you know if you're into Instagram, you can check me out there and you know make sure to send me a message or whatever, and I'll I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And you know I'm sure people are going to be interested in seeing uh, the music awards uh, performance. So is there anywhere we can go to see that? Is there like a link in your bio, or is there any? Yeah, there. The I think the link in my Instagram bio currently is that uh, MMVA uh, performance from about a year ago now, um, but it is on YouTube. Um, you can just type in Chris Wu uh, MMVAs. Yeah, that that should give you uh, that should give you the search results right there. Um, you'll notice I'm way in the back. You don't you don't see me until about a minute in because they bring up the riser and there's a bunch of flames and all kinds of stuff. It almost bur- it almost burned me to death, but I had to, I had to, you know, I had to get through it. But yeah, YouTube for sure. That that's the that's the way to go. I just post small clips on Instagram, but but yeah. All right, man. Good stuff. Do you have any uh, you know last thoughts or anything you'd like to say to clue this up? Um, I mean, you know, with all this stuff, like this this is. It's not an easy route to take being kind of a, you know, self-employed kind of carve your own path kind of person. So, you know, for those out there who want to, you know, pursue a, a similar route or, you know, kind of carve their own path, just, you know, keep at it. I would say, you know, if, if there's any, you know, if there's anything I can add on top of this whole thing, it would be to just, you know, pursue, pursue what you want to pursue. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you know, you know best and, your heart knows best and try not to let people discourage you because there are plenty of people who will try to discourage you whether you know they just they're jealous or you know they don't want to see you succeed or whatever don't worry about all that stuff because at the end of the day you know it's going to work out if your heart's in the right place so you know just be just be friendly be a good person you know work hard and and you know just don't give up that's that's my uh that's my advice for sure awesome man thanks again for getting on with me of course. I love Thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's awesome, man. You take over Toronto, and I'll try to take over Newfoundland, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll carry the Alewood name over across exactly. Canada. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please rate the podcast five stars and leave a nice nice little review. I'll love to check those reviews, and uh, I'll get back to you guys. If you listen to this and you enjoyed, just share it to your story. Tag me. Tag Jacob. And, you know, we'll love to see that you guys are supporting this episode. Anyways, guys, thank you so much. And until next time, peace.